0: This episode is sponsored by Anchor, the official host of Wellness and Wanderlust. Anchor is the easiest way to create your dream podcast. With Anchor, you can record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other popular podcast apps. You can even make money from your podcast using Anchor. Anchor is your one-stop shop with everything you need to make a podcast. Hey friends, it's me, your host, Valerie, back with another incredible guest for you to enjoy this week. If you are new here, welcome, and thank you so much for tuning in. No matter how you found the show, I hope you'll stick around Wellness and Wanderlust is all about creating intentional change in our lives so that we can be happier and healthier no matter how busy we may be. For those of you who are long-time listeners of the show, thank you so much for coming back from week to week. Can you believe this is already episode 73 of the podcast? I seriously could not do this without you, so thank you from the bottom of my heart for being here. This week's guest is someone you are going to love. Her name is Lizzie Kangro, and she is a nutritionist and wellness coach and author of the new book, Reclaim the Rebel, 12 Rebellious Acts to Achieve Unconditional Love for Your Body. Lizzie is truly a kindred spirit, and we got into so many important topics around health and wellness, self-care, and more. In our conversation, Lizzie shares her own story of recovery from an eating disorder and how she found her own inner peace. We discuss the power of vulnerability, how we can reach a state of intuitive eating, and what intuitive eating even is. There are so many definitions out there how to use our love languages to improve our relationships with ourselves, and what we can do to silence that inner mean girl and rewrite our stories. You guys wrote in with so many questions for this one. It was a really popular topic, and we're going to dig deep into all of it. So I know this is an episode you're truly going to love. So enough from me. Without further ado, let's hear from Lizzie. Hi, Lizzie. Thank you so much for joining us at Wellness and Wanderlust.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Valerie. It's great to be with you.
0: Well, it's great to be with you too. We're going to be talking about a really important topic today that so many of our listeners have struggled with throughout their lives, myself included. And so I cannot wait to chat with you and dive in. Before we do that, why don't you tell us a little about yourself and your wellness journey?
1: Yeah, so people kind of know me as the self-love sister. (laughs) So I essentially empower women to love their bodies unconditionally using rebellious acts in their nutrition, their movement, and their mindset. And the reason why I'm super passionate, it really is a a pleasure to to do it, is because I've been on my own journey of self-love and discovering my self-love. So as a teenager, I developed an eating disorder at the age of 14. And that eating disorder persisted for about 10 years And during that time, I went through ups and downs, found tools that helped me that didn't help me so much. And at the end of it, I decided that I wanted to ensure that no other person had to go through what I went through and retrained. I was originally a teacher, but I retrained as a nutritionist. And as a nutritionist, um, early on, I was definitely walking the walk in terms of looking after my physical health. But what I found for myself and what I found for a lot of my clients was there was still something missing. And this really came to a head when I had a client who no matter what we did she just couldn't reach her goal she couldn't lose that 10 extra 10 pounds that she wanted to lose and for me that's when I sort of started to lose my confidence in my own ability as a nutritionist uh, and fitness instructor and stories in my own mind of not being good enough kind of really came up and and that also highlighted to me that I was having stories about not being good enough in terms of my physical appearance, also. So it was very apparent that there was a missing piece, and that missing piece was mindset. So I went on a second journey, <laughs> this time in terms of my mental health, in terms of really silencing that inner mean girl, as changing the story of not being good enough that I think a lot of us women and men can relate to, and getting that total unconditional love for myself. And, and in the process, again, I discovered really powerful tools that are simple but effective in really getting that inner peace and happiness and health that we're all seeking at the end of the day. So it was was a journey of two steps, (laughs) physical and mental.
0: I think that really is what wellness is all about. And I know for me, I've had times where I was eating, quote unquote, all of the perfect foods. I was exercising, but the weight was not coming off, or the way I was feeling physically was not the way I wanted to be feeling. And I think mindset is that piece that we just don't often give enough credit to. I'm amazed that at the beginning of this year, I've lost a lot of weight. And honestly, I think a lot of it has had to do with just doing less <laughs> and yes. taking better care of myself. And I think I think that mindset piece is so important. So I, I'd love to know what that journey was like for you and some of those tools that you discovered. Yeah. And
1: I think you are 100% right. And what is so beautiful is that despite the mindset piece being kind of somewhat neglected, I feel like I'm seeing more and more being a tool that even you know the large diet companies are starting to use it like Noom is starting to kind of bring in the psychological piece and whilst I would never endorse a specific diet I think it is becoming more acknowledged but what I found is you know keeping it super simple is is definitely the way to go and one of the biggest tools for me was Actually, just being aware of that inner mean girl that I was speaking about. Actually, kind of being conscious of the beliefs that I was holding against myself the not good enoughs, the perfectionist tendencies, the shame, the judgment. And once I had that awareness and that kind of attention on it, I could then shift the stories to something that was more empowering and aligned to what I wanted to believe because at the end of the day, we can choose our thoughts. We can choose what we want to believe. I did a reel on this the other day. It's kind of like when you wake up in the morning and you're choosing what clothes you want to wear, and you're sort of sifting through the clothes. It's kind of almost like that. You get to sift through your thought process and your thoughts, and and go, ah, that one fits me today. I I want to try that on, and if. We're aware of the negative beliefs and we're able to change those to more empowering ones. We can then choose those empowering thoughts consistently to build more love for ourselves. And and really, it is a matter of consistency with, with these things, as well as keeping it super simple, as you say.
0: I completely agree I think that consistency to make that a habit you know to make self-love a habit is something that we we don't often think of but I really I really do believe in that awareness as well there are so many things that we just think are normal that that we think we, we have so many thoughts every single day that they seem like second nature to us and then when we really dive deep into them and when I've thought about some of the things I've told myself over the years when you really think, objectively about it, you know that it's not true what you're telling yourself, but you're saying it to yourself all day. And I especially experience a lot of that imposter syndrome. Mm. That's something that I have to kind of remind myself constantly and being aware of that was the first step and knowing that actually I'm not a fraud.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. And I think the more that we're aware of it and the more that we kind of share this, the more we don't feel like we're alone, because I think it's very common to feel like, you know, we're the only ones in the whole world who, you know, are struggling with our inner mean girl or the imposter syndromes and not good enough. But when we start to kind of have that vulnerability and open up and say, you know, hey, this is my experience and, you know, not dwell on it, not kind of, you know, go into a pity party and say, you know, woe is me, but say, you know, this is a very real experience for me. I think it kind of opens the door into us recovering from that, but also helping other people and sort of just normalizing the experience. I mean, we're all human and even, you know, after doing, years of work I'm sure you can relate to this in terms of self-development it's it's still gonna happen it's still like those thoughts are still going to come up now and again it's just a matter of how we move through them and I think by being vulnerable and saying like hey I I, I see you I hear you like, I know what it feels like I think that's also part of the healing process for a lot of people
0: Absolutely. I I know for me personally, I've really started to try and share that side of myself a little bit more on social media because that is such a highlight reel for so many of us. And I was falling into the comparison trap so much of everybody's life is clearly going better than mine and nobody else is experiencing these insecurities. No one else is having the same struggles that I'm having and realizing that cannot possibly be true. And that I've posted the highlight reel when I've had difficult times in my life as well. And so to start really sharing that has been, I know, really beneficial for me, and I hope it's beneficial for followers and listeners as well. And something that I really love with the vulnerability that actually kind of segues me a little bit too, that's one of the rebellious acts that you talk about in your book. I would love to know a little bit more about these rebellious acts of self-love that you've cultivated over the years and what are a few that our listeners can take away with them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So my book that you mentioned, it's called Reclaim the Rebel, um, and it talks about 12 rebellious acts in total to help you achieve unconditional love for your body. So yes, one of those rebellious acts is, is being vulnerable and just kind of having that willingness to to open up and, and to share what... Feels mildly uncomfortable, (laughs) Um, but it's you know not going to send you into into a tailspin. So that's that's one of the rebellious acts. For me personally, I think rebellious act number number eleven kind of pertains to what you were talking about with comparison, and that's something that I think so many of us can relate to, um, especially in this age of social media. You know, you do see that highlight reel, and that's something that I struggled with especially when I moved to America. So as you can tell from my accent, I'm, yeah. I'm British. Um, and I came over to the US about three years ago and specifically moved to California where everybody is very tanned and got that sun-kissed glow. And I am very pale. <laughs> yeah. I, I am fair-skinned. And I got into comparison about that and became very, very self-conscious. And as a result... I would try and hide my natural skin tone with with tans. And I was spending a lot of money trying to be something that I'm not. Um, and I think a lot of people can relate to that, not necessarily in terms of getting a tan, but in terms of diet products, in terms of exercise in terms of beauty products even so what I did and um, my kind of aha moment was when the pandemic hit and the salons closed and I mentioned this in my book I'm, I go into detail about this story but essentially it meant that I couldn't pretend and I couldn't hide anymore because there was nowhere to go and as I say you know I tried fake tanning one time and I kind of looked like this really special Californian brush. so <laughs> I was not going to do the fake tan and I had to accept in front of my partner that actually I'm I'm pale I had fair skin and that stressed me out so much that I developed a rash I was so so self-conscious and I just wanted to curl up in a corner and that kind of led me to discovering the antidote, which was really when you're getting into comparison, what you're actually doing is you're focusing on what you lack. I lack the sun tan. I lack the five-star vacations every week. I lack the expensive purse, whatever. It's focusing on what you don't have. So, really, it's about turning it around and saying, Well, what what do I do have? What do I have going for me? And cultivating a list of things that you're grateful for. So, what I did was I created a gratitude list, first of all, by looking at things in my life in general that I was grateful for, you know, grateful for being in Southern California, grateful for my very supportive parents who let me come across the world, you know, grateful for my partner. And once I started to kind of get into that thought process of gratitude, I then transitioned into, okay, so what about my body am I grateful for? And I started to, you know, notice elements of myself that other people had commented on that I'd been complimented for. And then I started to think, well, what do I really appreciate about my body? What uniquely have I kind of discovered about my body? Um, so, even things like I had a, a life saving operation when I was three months old, and I've got a big scar across my stomach. Well, that scar is a symbol of me surviving. So, I'm grateful for that. And starting to look at it in terms of not what I lack, it's actually what what do I have? And when you start looking for all of the things that you can be grateful for, it gets into a pretty big list. So anybody who is struggling with comparison, I always recommend making a gratitude list, starting with the big picture stuff and then narrowing it down into what about my body am I really grateful for and really focusing on that. And and with that, you can both in real life in inverted commas and on social media, it becomes a lot easier to look at someone else's life with a very neutral perspective, because you're so abundant with gratitude (laughs) for what you have, that it's just kind of like, oh, great, they're going on holiday, or they've just lost 10 pounds, or yeah, good for them. But it's not about competition or comparison. It's just about, you know, that's, this is what I have, and this is what they've got.
0: That's so true, and I'm so glad that you brought up gratitude because that's something I think so many people listening to the episode, probably everybody, has had some kind of insecurity about their body at one time or another, and for me, oftentimes that's going to be my stomach. is not flat. That's the last place that I will – I will lose weight in my fingers before I will lose it in my stomach, and it's something that makes me very self-conscious, and at the same time, when I really look at it objectively – I know that my body is doing incredible things all the time. I, I was a cheerleader and I was able to do really cool things when I was young that many people could not do and there there are things I like about my appearance that I have to remember and then just again the miracle of life that all of these things are happening in our bodies at any given time and keeping us alive and thriving in a lot of ways and kind of looking at it that way rather than that I carry a little extra weight in my stomach than, than I would like that probably no one notices in the way that I do. But really being grateful for the great things that my body can do and, that, and the other things in my life as well and in all of our lives. But I love thinking about it from that neutral perspective that, you know, hey, this is great for them. And this is what I've got going and kind of leaving it at that.
1: Absolutely. And I feel like that's the case with dieting and any type of um, endeavor to sort of become healthier, change your body, all of that kind of side of things. Because I was actually talking to a client about this earlier. And she said, I've been doing really great. And I've had my friend helping me, you know, motivating me and we go to the gym together. But this week I kind of it was my time of the month and I didn't really feel like going and but she's crushing it still and it's really hard because you know I want to join her but I just don't feel up to it and I said to her well you know you've just got to listen to your body and and trust the sometimes it's going to want to rest a little bit more and you know your friend if you look at it like this she's also probably going to have a time when she doesn't want to go and her body needs some more rest so I think looking at it in terms of that neutral perspective both from a kind of what someone has and what someone you aspire to you know have whatever they they have but also in terms of you know when you're making these these changes to improve your health and your wellness everybody's journey looks different and sometimes you you're going to go slower than other people and and that's okay
0: yeah sometimes slow and steady is what you need to just establish habits that are going to stick with you rather than maybe doing a quick fix or something like that because I've certainly fallen for a lot of the quick fixes Um, Over the years and done some very unhealthy things to to try to fit into smaller pair of pants. And, you know, I've noticed that it's been a longer journey for me than it might be for someone else, and that I do have autoimmune issues and things that may make it a little bit harder. But that I'm making some small sustainable changes that are going to last me for a long time and that I'm seeing other parameters. My heart rate is a lot better than it used to be and seeing other things improve in my life and kind of recognizing that it's going to look different for me. And, you know, it's going to look different for all of us.
1: Absolutely. And I think you hit the nail on the head there by saying, you know, a lot of programs or products that we take or we follow aren't actually sustainable. And that is really why a lot of clients come to see me is that they've either try to lose weight and then regain the weight, or they've tried to eat more healthily and, you know, it works the <laughs> maybe a couple of weeks or even a month or so, but then they slip back into the old patterns and Really, the, the key is achieving that sustainability. And how do we achieve that sustainability? Well, it's a matter of doing the slow and steady for so sure, doing it at your own pace, especially when it comes to, I don't treat people with eating disorders, but I, I mentioned that in my book with my eating disorder, it was very much a journey of just self-compassion and taking it step by step. But also with this examining our mindset again around it like how are we identifying with the with the process what are we telling ourselves are we telling ourselves that we're a failure we don't have any willpower and what is our self-talk like Um, and using that as a gauge as well
0: yeah, there's so much to do with language. I caught myself doing this today, and it wasn't, I've been a lot better about this, but saying, you know, I was bad because I did this, mm-hmm. or I was good because I did that. And it's something I've really improved and stopped saying quite as much. But one of the examples in my life is that I've been trying to go out to eat less and trying to make a little bit more at home. And I went out for lunch today at a place I hadn't been all year because I've been wanting to go. And I had said, you know, I was bad and I picked up lunch and I'm thinking it really wasn't a bad, there was nothing inherently bad about it. And actually it was great and I really enjoyed it. But we, we say these words and we think it doesn't really affect us, but it's so deeply ingrained into us.
1: Absolutely. And that's kind of funny that you mentioned the word try as well. I talk to my clients about try and I <laughs> I sometimes put it in word jail as well, because that kind of goes back to, to consistency. And I think that can be a frustration for some people because the energy of trying is so forced. There's so much effort involved in, in trying just like, you know, good and bad feels like there's some sort of moral value to our behaviors or like our food choices and so what I try and encourage is just kind of almost make like an a Nike ad (laughs) and just just do it and just say you know I'm I'm gonna do this and make that commitment to yourself and I I completely recognize that it is very ingrained in us to kind of say these words I was Mm -hmm. very much a a good bad person <laughs> I used to say that all of the time and so again it's, it's that awareness and kind of consistency but when we're able to kind of like just say all right this is a, a more nutritious option this is a less nutritious mm-hmm. option or I'm gonna go and have lunch at the place where I, I want to go and have lunch that just feels so much more freeing and so much yeah. l- just lighter than the kind of like effortful, you know, try and go bad. And, and, and that just, that takes time. I, I feel that's definitely something that I had to spend a long time just kind of rewiring my subconscious, because at the end of the day, it's not just our conscious at work when we're talking about our health and wellness, it's our subconscious. And, and really our subconscious is, 90% of what we do it's the conscious layer is is just the tip of the iceberg the subconscious mm-hmm. is really at work so hacking into that and
0: rewiring the subconscious is is huge but it also takes time I'm so glad you brought up the word try that is one that I use quite a bit and as soon as you mentioned the energy that it brings I think wow that's that's very true to me and I, I find myself using it quite a bit. So that's something I'm going to be more conscious of. But yeah, I think having that awareness is really that first step and understanding that, you know, that these these words have been ingrained in us, that other people around us are saying it to, I think, pick up on it at first and kind of recognize it because I, w- I wasn't bad going into the, I didn't walk in and slap anyone or do anything, <laughs> you know? you know, I didn't do anything morally questionable, but I got a meal that I really loved that I hadn't had in a long time. And I really enjoyed it. I ate the amount that I wanted and, and that was it. And it didn't take up the rest of my day. It was one meal that I really enjoyed and there was nothing bad about, it was actually kind of good. It was good in that sense because I was listening to what I really, really wanted, but there was nothing really inherently good or bad.
1: Yeah. And, and, I love that you were just like yeah well I was trusting my yeah. my body my body was like yeah. yes I I would like this very much um which goes back to kind of what we were saying which is awesome
0: Definitely. And so I really I really love this focus on the words that we're saying to ourselves. It's something that, you know, in your book, you have a lot of different journaling exercises as well that I think are really helpful for this. I have started to experiment a little bit with kind of journaling a little bit from my future self and have found that to be very helpful. And I could kind of relate that to a couple of the steps. I almost think of these two rebellious acts as two sides of the same coin in a way, but living your life backward and rewriting your story. Can you talk a little bit more about those and kind of how we can do those?
1: Yes. So I purposely put those two rebellious acts at the start because I feel like those are probably the most impactful. And I got introduced to the rebellious act of living your life backwards by a former mentor, And he calls it his be-do-have model. But essentially, it involves coming from a place of your identity as opposed to your behaviors. So what I mean by that is when you are looking to achieve something, a health and wellness goal, a financial goal, a relationship goal, anything, it's actually examining who you are being, your identity And your story is attached to that identity first, and living from a place of the person who already has what you want, as opposed to trying to do all the behaviors to get you to your goals. So that is the living your life backwards part. So for example, somebody who wishes to let's give the example of wanting to eat healthily. And what I would suggest they do is to think about, you know, somebody that they know, or even just somebody made up in their head, but what would that person who already eats healthily what identity would she or he have? So they would probably say to themselves, "I'm somebody who eats healthily. Uh, I'm somebody that never misses a meal. I'm somebody who you know drinks plenty of water. That type of thing." And they have that identity. It's like another example would be somebody who wants to train to be a marathon runner, but who has only done really short runs and in the in the past you know if they want to become a marathon runner they've got to operate from a place of the marathon runner it's like okay like your old identity as somebody who can only run you know a mile is out you are now a a marathon runner and really coming from a place of that and just working from that place because once you have that identity and take on that identity your subconscious will go okay thank you and work in ways to put to give you that identity. So again, my client today, she's working on eating healthily, and she has been doing the exercise of living your life backwards. And who would the person who she wants to be? What What are they doing? And she said to me, "You know what? I found myself <laughs> grocery shopping, and I just looked up, and I was just in the middle of the the vegetable aisle, and." I don't even know how I got there, but I would just realize that I was there. <laughs> so your subconscious is, is so, so powerful. It kind of delivering you what you want. But first of all, you have to tell it, this is my program. This is my identity. And then from there, it will run that program for you. So that's the living your life backwards part. As for the rewriting your story part, again, as I said, your stories really feed into your identity. And by stories, you can also call them beliefs. I like stories because it sounds like something that we can really just kind of change and close. It's like when we're kids and we get told these stories, you know, we can pick and choose them. So really we want to be feeding our identity, our new identity with stories that support that. So thinking about, as I was saying, the types of things that somebody who's a marathon runner would tell themselves, somebody who eats healthily would tell themselves and reprogramming yourself with those stories. So the exercise that I go into in the book is really creating an alter ego for for yourself. So I mentioned that you can think about somebody who already has what you want, but I really recommend Creating an alter ego, um, just like Beyoncé. <laughs> so she <laughs> created Sasha Fierce, and I think a lot of us, you know, know, know Sasha Fierce, and that that was Beyoncé's alter ego, and she stepped into Sasha Fierce every time she went on stage. And just look at Beyonce now, you know, she is multi-million billion dollar music career, and she is living that identity now. She she has stepped into Sasha this. So essentially I'm kind of encouraging you to do the same. Like, what do you want for your alter ego? What's her name? <laughs> what does she do in the morning? What does she wear? What stories is she telling herself? How does she feel when she looks in the mirror and really starting to live from a place and embody that alter ego. So, for example, I created an alter ego at the start of my journey to achieving unconditional love for her body. And now when I read that alter ego back, she's called Grace, I'm like, oh, I now do that. I now have these things I now have that story and that identity but I didn't at the time it's more a case of believing that you can have it and doing the consistent work to embody that identity and then at some point you'll look up and go oh that's a physical reality for me and that is cool Mm -hmm. that is like it's trippy but it's really cool
0: (laughs) that's something i'm totally going to try you know you just ask yourself what would grace do in this situation and mm-hmm. yeah yeah i i think that's a really interesting activity to do and really helps you kind of hone in on what it is that you really want and what it is in your life that you want to change cuz there are some things about ourselves that we love and that we want to keep going and keep and keep embodying but there are plenty of self-destructive behaviors that I think that everybody has that we can really look at it from that objective lens and kind of almost a bird's eye view and then kind of write out this person that that we want to be I think that really clarifies things for us yeah and
1: I I strongly believe that there is room for healthy self-improvement we are always striving to become the best version of ourselves and I think healthy striving and kind of reaching that higher self up-leveling however you want to call it i think that is healthy and maybe weight loss is involved maybe it's not you know maybe working out more is part of it maybe it's not it's really what works for you and going back to that question of is it aligned to having unconditional love for my body is really really important i've been criticized in the past by some groups as saying you know how can you have unconditional love for your body if you're if you're helping women lose weight and my answer is well it's Helping them improve their health and their well being, and is done in a way that is aligned to having unconditional love for their body. Then, then why not? And from someone who has been through disordered eating patterns, I'm very, very mindful of ensuring that women do it in a in a balanced way. But I think in that process, it's kind of it, that helped me realize that this journey is very, very personal. So, however it looks to you is going to be very different to the next person and the next person and you know you may find it's almost like planting a seedling and that seedling will grow and it will grow to fit the pot but then at some point you may want to repot the seedling and it's in a new pot and then it grows some more and then it grows some more and you need to repot it so this is something that you may find you kind of go back to at different points in your life as you continue to progress through life, through what you want for yourself, what feels good, and sort of, you know, refine your alter ego or change your alter ego as you kind of grow into your pot, as it were.
0: I love that metaphor, first of all. I think that is such a great way to think about it. And I'm so glad you bring this up because I do think, of course, we want to love our bodies at whatever size they are and whatever size clothing that we're wearing. But I was curious, you know, on your thoughts on can we try to lose weight and still love our bodies and still have a good relationship with our bodies?
1: Yeah. And I think it all comes down to the self-talk again. You know, are we... Standing in front of the mirror and going, oh my goodness, I hate the way that my stomach looks. I'm, I've got to lose five pounds off of my stomach. Or is it coming from a place of, I feel a little bit sluggish and I just want to have more energy so that I can play with my kids. And it would really help if I lost a little bit of weight because it's detrimental to, to my fitness and my cardio cardiovascular Mm -hmm. health I think it really there's a fine line for sure and it really is something that I discuss with clients in depth about their kind of motives especially when it comes to weight loss but again I think it comes down to your motives and your stories and your intention behind your actions is this whenever in doubt (laughs) is this aligned (laughs) to having unconditional love for my body am i doing this from a place of self-hate and punishment um i talk about that in reclaim the rebel in the context of exercise in particular like am i moving for pleasure or am i moving for punishment and if you're doing it because of punishment then that's when you kind of reassess you know same with dieting same with anything when it comes to our health and wellness and is it coming from a place of love and wanting to just be healthier and happier or is it coming from a place of not feeling good enough
0: and i think that's so important to be thinking about because i've certainly approached it from from both sides mm-hmm. i've had times where it was you know i ate this thing and now i need to work it off mm-hmm. and i've also had those times where i thought i'm going to feel better i'm going to perform better at work i'm going to do you know, I, I'm gonna be a nicer person if I get a little movement before right. before I leave for the day. And there's such a there's such a difference in those mindsets. And one comes with a lot of stress and the other one is a little bit more of an opportunity, I think. Definitely. And I
1: think that is really where it kind of comes full circle and it comes back to that awareness and having that almost kind of self-trust that you get the sense that this is coming from a place of punishment. Versus coming Mm -hmm. from a place of ease and joy and, you know, and love. And I think only we know deep down where this is coming from. So I can't tell you if, you know, you going to the gym is because you're coming from a place of wanting to punish yourself and wanting to kind of, you know, push through, or if it's coming from a place of serving yourself and just helping clear your mind and all of that. Only you you know, at the end of the day.
0: Mm -hmm. I'd love to know too, for listeners who struggle with eating disorders, or maybe addiction, things like that, I think this can be a really tricky path to navigate and understanding, you know, when is it truly for self love? And then when is it maybe part of something else? Do you have any tips for anyone with either eating disorders or addiction kind of navigating this?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's huge. And first of all, I just want to clarify, I'm I'm a nutritionist and, and wellness coach and I'm, I'm qualified for that, but I'm not qualified to treat eating disorders. Mm-hmm. And if you are currently suffering, I would say my biggest piece of advice from somebody who <laughs> has gone through an eating disorder is to seek help from not only the professionals, you know, the support of the dietitian is, is huge but also having your cheer squad. And that is actually the final rebellious act in my book is having a support network, having your cheer squad and actually being vulnerable enough and brave enough to say, hey, I am struggling, having that self-awareness to say, yeah, this is, this is tough. Please, can you help me? And being able to ask for and receive that help is really, really huge personally you know we've been talking about how things can feel really hard and difficult versus you know that freedom and ease i was carrying a lot on my shoulders and things felt very hard it felt like a struggle it definitely wasn't like a hollywood movie where they're just like the struggle is just so aspirational no it was it was crap <laughs> mm-hmm. if i can use that word it was horrible mm-hmm. but as soon as i was brave enough to get out of my comfort zone and say, can you please help me from uh, actually it was my doctor and then it was my parents. Then that's when I was able to make more consistent steps in the direction that I that I wanted to be going, but I'd also say it is about taking those small steps. And what was really beautiful was a psychologist told me this metaphor, and it really st- stuck with me. So, if I may, I, I want to share this, and and that is, think of your recovery like climbing a mountain. You can. Go up that mountain as quickly or as slowly as you want. You can even take breaks. You can even go back down if you want to. But when you get to the top of that mountain, the view from the top is just going to be so incredible. And you're going to be so proud of what you have achieved for yourself. And, you know, you'll be able to see your life from a whole different perspective. And I think that really kind of gave myself the permission to take my journey as... Quickly or as slowly as I wanted, it gave me the self compassion to be like, well, this week maybe didn't go as well as I had hoped, um, and that's okay. I've got my support team behind me, so the track, <laughs> they're carrying <laughs> some of some of the the load, and if I want to keep going, then I can keep going. If I need a rest, and sometimes that is necessary, then I can rest. But I'm going to keep going. But I'm not going to force myself to be at any speed and I think that's a very difficult thing to accept especially if you're at the stage of an eating disorder where you just really want to get better and that's fantastic that's a really really great stage to be at but I would also say you know don't pressure yourself into trying to be at a certain stage a specific point I think you know it's it's a very very personal thing recovery and the fact that you're even you know aware that you need to recover and there's there's something there that is that's wonderful and then any steps you take in the forward direction is fantastic but I would definitely recommend having that cheer squad behind you because that can be huge because an eating disorder and any kind of addiction is not it's not an easy thing to to overcome Um, it's not an Mm -hmm. impossible thing to overcome but having having other people there is definitely going to help.
0: Definitely. And I really love that metaphor. I think that's so beautiful and something that kind of gets you thinking a little bit more about what's to come and to know that there is hope. And I think also acknowledging that, yes, it's hard and that having people around you who can be that support system, that cheer squad, I think that does take some of the pressure off and that does allow us to practice some of that vulnerability. And I think it's so important to have people by your side going through anything. And I really love that step.
1: Yeah. And I think what's interesting for me as well as the, you know, since especially in my book has been published I've had parents come to me and say hey my daughter is currently going through an eating disorder what resources and advice can you give and you know that's wonderful that people are kind of reaching out and saying I want to be part of their cheer squad and really honestly I remember being deep into my illness and feeling like the world was against me but in fact you know there's a lot of people out there who really want to help and be that support so it's interesting for me to see both sides of the coin sort of from the perspective of the past and actually being in it Um, and Mm. now being kind of on the outside and the caregivers and and people around and the person going through it you know really wanting to to provide that support
0: so yeah that's something that has surprised me through throughout my life on a lot of different things that have gone on where I didn't realize that people really are you know your friends want to support you your family wants to support you in most situations I mean not unfortunately not for everybody but in a lot of situations you're You know, you do have people out there that care, that want to know how they can help and they just don't know how and to know that they are out there and that you do have these support systems because I've had so many times I've felt so alone in a situation. And once I've talked about it with someone, I realized I have friends. I have people that, you know, I do have a cheer squad and I do have people that are rooting for this situation to get better you just have to I, I think the scary thing is to reach out sometimes and ask but I think that's so cool that you're seeing it from that side now yeah and I, I think you're so right is, is that
1: it is scary to just kind of take that step and just ask and that's when I would say you know examine your stories around what it means to ask for help mm. you know I always used to think that it was a weakness to ask for help um, and that I should do everything on my own, you know. <laughs> Coming from a British family, it's kind of like, you know, keep calm and carry on, stiff upper lip mm-hmm. type thing. But actually, you know, I was like, is this true? You know, is it a weakness to actually say, hey, like, can I have some help, please? And I think there are a lot of stories around, you know, asking for help. Also, you know, trusting that people have good intentions. I know that there can be kind of potential gaps in trust. If somebody is like, well, you know, do they really have my best interests at heart? I kind of went through that a little bit as well. When my parents put me in hospital, I kind of thought that they were doing it for other reasons and I couldn't trust them. So, really examining that too. And I think once we kind of go through that process and um, sort of filter out the stories that again aren't serving us then it's kind of it threes the way to be like oh actually I do have my cheer squad and I can rely on them and I trust them and um, it's it's all going to be okay and 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 going through it with other people as well is just the most incredible thing because as you say you know once you start opening up other people start opening up and um, you build more connection with them. I definitely experienced that kind of in two ways, not only with my parents when I was going through my my tough time and and kind of really becoming close to them, but also just through opening up, finally (laughs) after years (laughs) of why I wanted to be a nutritionist there a long long time I did not share that because I was afraid that people would judge me that people wouldn't understand that there would be you know questions and things that I can answer but as soon as I opened up about having suffered from anorexia I had so many people say you know oh me too I really struggled and or I knew this person who struggled and now they're also a dietitian and I think it's just such a wonderful thing when we can build those connections and kind of put our hands up and go oh yeah I'm with you on this like I share that experience or I share that mission as being able to help other people
0: Absolutely, I I've noticed that for myself as well. First of all, I have to laugh a little bit at the at the British, um, at the British mentality because I have um, ger- a German grandmother, and so a lot of the same, yes. you know, very very similar. Where you you do it a certain way, and you do it you do it on your own, and you don't need to ask for help. And that's something, you know, yes, I'm self sufficient in a lot of ways, but at the same time, you know, I went through something somewhat traumatic over the course of about two years. And I've only just started to open up even to my family about it and friends. And I found that keeping things inside that hurts your relationships because it's still affecting you and people know that there's something wrong. And by actually opening up and talking about it, I think that's really improved my relationships. And I've understood that maybe they've gone through similar things. Maybe they haven't, but they're in my corner. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's made – because anytime you're going through something difficult – it can feel so incredibly lonely and to just know that you have people in your corner and that people, I I think, I think it improves your relationships and just improves overall quality of life. Absolutely. And I think A lot of us
1: are very good at putting other people first. This is another thing that I talk about in Reclaim the Rebel is that a lot of us are very, we want to serve others. We want to help others. We put other people first and it's very easy to kind of put ourselves at the back and in doing so that kind of lowers our our self-worth and almost is counterproductive to our relationships because if we're not in a good place then we can't pour mm-hmm. into our relationships whereas if we have this balance of being able to ask for help and receive it and also pour into other people then it's it's just I think more sustainable and balanced and healthy for, for everybody and I can definitely relate that Once I began to kind of be able to recognize my worth and had the confidence to be like, oh yeah, I am worth the time and being able to ask for help and all of those things, that actually not only improved my health, but it also improved my relationships for sure.
0: Definitely. And I I love how you approach that in the book, kind of approaching it from that, you know, the love languages and Mm. treating yourself the way that you would want others to treat you.
1: Yes, absolutely. I feel like this is a very common thing, especially for women, is that we're brought up to kind of be the martyrs and to put everybody else first. And in doing so, we kind of diminish our worth. And the antidote to that, I argue, is really using the love languages on ourselves to show ourselves that we are actually worthy of of (laughs) receiving love. So the love languages, in case anybody doesn't know about them, very famous guy called Gary Chapman kind of proposed that we have these five love languages, physical touch, words of affirmation, acts of service, gift giving, and quality time. And he says, like, if we can understand our love language and our partner's love language, our kind of primary love language that we communicate in, we can kind of deepen our own romantic relationships because we can kind of direct how we show our love to our partner in a way that they can receive easily. But then I kind of realized when I was reading this (laughs) that we could kind of do that on ourselves. So my love Primary love language is um, gift giving. I love gift giving. It makes perfect sense because Christmas is my absolute favorite. (laughs) But I never used to allow myself to buy myself anything other than the necessities. And. That was costing me a part of my self-worth. But then when I was able to just turn it around and go, oh, well, no, I'm going to go buy myself lunch or now buy myself flowers. That is a really, really powerful simple and it doesn't have to be an expensive way of doing it the gift giving is kind of the the one that people go, oh <laughs> do you have to buy yourself like expensive jewelry no it can be the the small smallest thing but it's really really powerful at actually saying I love you this is a physical display as of as my love for myself and my brain because I'm a gift giver and it's receptive to that really takes it in and goes oh, okay. <laughs> I I am worth it. I am valuable. I, I am worthy of receiving this. And so what I often do with clients is I really work with them on their love language in terms of building their self-worth and, and helping them to prioritize themselves, even when they have super busy lives. Because you know, we all have <laughs> a lot going on, but it's really a matter of showing ourselves self worth. It's not a matter of being selfish and putting other people last or neglecting other people. It's a matter of just building our own our own worth, so that again we can kind of pour into those relationships, and everybody benefits from that.
0: I think that's so important, and to understand how it how our love languages play into our lives and where we can practice that self-care is so huge and i think gift giving can be fantastic i've sent myself flowers before and just how happy you are when they arrive and for me one of i would say my love language is acts of service and i cannot tell you how just taking the extra time to to organize something that it's it's at the bottom of the list because it's not a necessity, but it's something that would make me happy to get, you know, to put this away or to do whatever whatever the thing is, but actually like making time for it rather than doing everything else for everybody else. I, I feel better when I, when I take the time to do that. And so I'm excited to try out a few because you have a lot of different tips for the different love languages of how we can practice those in our lives. And that's one that really hits home for me.
1: Yeah, and I'm actually doing a reclaim your worth event I don't like the word challenge. Um, it's like a five-day event that I'm hosting at the end of February, February 28th to March 4th, where I'm actually going to be using the love languages with a group to help them boost their self-worth, to really kind of like hone in the skill of using the love languages and how empowering that can feel and, and actually how simple it can be and how it doesn't have to be at the cost to your to-do list but how we can easily incorporate it into our days and how fun it can be i think that's the whole point really isn't it is actually like this whole like looking after ourselves and you know honoring our bodies and and feeling good it's it's fun it can be really yeah. really fun Um, And so that's the whole point of of what I'm going to be doing at the end of February is actually proving that it's super simple, it's sustainable, and it's fun. And at the end of the day, I think that was what I wanted to bring into not only when I when I wrote the book, but what I bring into what I do with people is to actually bring joy in into this whole area, because I feel like over the years there's been a lot of I don't want to say negativity because it's not but there's a a lot of pressure and a lot of time and money wasted on things that don't feel good so
0: if we can make this fun and easy then I think that's great (laughs) yeah yeah I love that because so often we do think of any type of personal development or self-improvement as just being hard. And sometimes it can be a little challenging to think through some of the things that we're trying to uncover about ourselves. But there is a lot about self-care that is really fun. It's really joyful. It's something that, yeah, that bring, it brings positivity into our lives. And we are literally putting ourselves first. And so I'm definitely going to have to link that event in the show notes so that listeners can be a part of it. That sounds like such an amazing thing to be a part of
1: yeah, I would absolutely love to see as many people in that event as possible. That would be fantastic.
0: Absolutely. Now I have one more question for you before we dive into the rapid fires. This was from one of our listeners who wrote in asking about intuitive eating. Mm. I wanted to know a little bit more about what that is and how we can become a little bit more intuitive and still maintain that positivity when it comes to food.
1: Right. Uh, Great question. And I feel like there's many, many definitions of intuitive eating. You know, you can call it mindful eating. What I call it is trusting your gut. And that is essentially, you know, listening to your body's signals. Um, So whether or not that be cravings or hunger signals. So our bodies are very, very sophisticated and they're they're so elegant. They're just (laughs) wonderful. And when we're able to tune into this elegant system and what it's telling us, then we're able to intuitively nourish our bodies. So, for example, I use this in the book, but it's a really good starting point is just tuning into our hunger signals. So, um, whenever you are wondering if you should eat something, then if you rate your hunger on a scale of one to 10, one being I'm absolutely starving and 10 being like I am stuffed like a Thanksgiving turkey, (laughs) you'll be able to see very quickly, you know, where your scale is because everybody's one to 10 scale will feel different. And this is what Mm -hmm. I love about it is that it's very personal. But I would say, please don't ever get to a one, (laughs) anything before between a one and a four, I would say that's definitely, please eat something now. When you start Mm -hmm. to get to a four, you're kind of like, oh, I'm kind of peckish. I could probably eat something. That's when to, you know, listen to your body and go, okay, I'm going to have something to eat. And then stop when you reach kind of like a seven where you're sort of comfortably full. And the more you practice doing that, the more you will be able to trust your body and start to eat intuitively. There are a lot of different techniques out there, but that one's my favorite in terms of we all know, or most of us know what hunger feels like. Our stomachs may be rumbling, we might feel a little bit lightheaded, we might get irritable. And so Because of that, the hunger scale is very, very applicable to a lot of people. But there's there's more that we can do in terms of, you know, intuitive eating. It's a whole spectrum. So, for example, if our body is craving something sweet like chocolate, I think a lot of women can relate to this. I definitely crave chocolate, certainly at some points of the month. (laughs) (laughs) Then that's our body actually telling us that we want to feel good um, because chocolate contains carbohydrates like a fast release carbohydrate sugar and carbohydrate creates serotonin and serotonin is a neurotransmitter that helps us feel good so really what we're looking for is to feel good (laughs) so our bodies are are doing the right thing it's carrying out its functions. so once we start to kind of tune into what we're craving whether or not we're hungry um, what types of food that we want and really kind of learning about that it's a kind of runaway process the more we learn and and listen and honor it I think that's really really important you know we can rate our hunger on a on the scale and go okay you know I'm a three but if we ignore that then that's not going to help us trust our bodies. It's very much a kind of listen to what your body is telling you and then honor it. You can learn to trust your body very, very quickly. And that in itself is very, very empowering.
0: thinking of it in those terms makes it a little bit easier to figure out, am I actually hungry? Or yeah, am I, am I craving chocolate? Because that certainly happens. And yeah. sometimes I'll even ask myself, you know, I'm craving chocolate. I'm thinking, would I want to eat like the same amount of broccoli right now? or something Mm -hmm. that that I like, but that is, it's going to have maybe some more nutrients in it, or would I want to have a meal? And if if I don't, if it's just the chocolate, it's probably a craving. Yeah, probably not that hungry. I
1: I love that. And, And that's a really, really cool way of thinking about it. And that's actually reminded me that another tool that you can use is when you have got that craving, you know, in addition to thinking, well, would I have the same amount in broccoli, you can also kind of Say, well, I'm gonna have the chocolate, but I'm gonna go and pause that for 30 minutes and I'm gonna go Mm. and do something else and not think about the chocolate. You know? (laughs) Uh, I'm gonna go through a walk or I'm gonna go write this email that I wanna write. And then if after half an hour I'm still craving the chocolate, I'm gonna have the chocolate. And by doing that, that's kind of still honoring a craving. And, you know, it's about portion control and all of those things too. But you're also providing a break in your habits. So rather than just kind of diving straight in and listening to your craving immediately and not thinking about it too much, you can kind of like take a pause on it and say, well, if it's still there, I can can still have that. That's okay. Or in half an hour, I could go and have the same amount of broccoli. You know, that's okay. There's, there's a lot of really awesome tools available. And I think, again, however you want to personalize it, it can be kind of fun. And, you know, I've had clients put up a big red stop sign in their mind whenever mm-hmm. they thought about binging on a whole container of cookies, for example. And when they see the stop sign, they'll put the container down and walk away and really tune into their body and do some sort of meditation or go through a walk and sort of get back into their body as opposed to their mind there's so many different ways of kind of using this um, intuitive eating and and that's what I actually really really love because it's not a prescriptive diet that tells mm-hmm. you 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 need to do this. You need to do that. It's just a whole toolbox of suggestions.
0: I love that because you really are just empowering yourself to understand your body a little bit better. That was something, you know, as a kid, I always, it was the thing when I was in school, I remember they would talk about, this is how you know if you have to go to the bathroom or this (laughs) is how you know whatever, but they didn't talk really about hunger. And I remember thinking about that as a kid and I would eat every single snack, but did I actually, you know, was I actually hungry for it or not? And it's something I've thought about a lot as an adult is that we we understand sometimes the physical cues, but I think we often take a craving as hunger. And sometimes the craving is, is great to to follow through with and it's really worthwhile, but sometimes it's really not. And it, if we just go for that walk instead or take a shower or paint your nails and yeah. wait until they dry or something, we we don't even want it anymore. We just were stressed out or trying to maybe mask a feeling or something else. And certainly when I met that one, uh, you know, yes. <laughs> then nobody should talk to me. But <laughs> Yeah, I think understanding that a little, I think it's so empowering to know your body in that way and to to know that, yes, I'm hungry, I need to have a meal or no, I'm not really hungry, I don't really need this whatever food or no, I'm not not starving, but I would like this and in a half hour, I'd still like this, but kind of giving yourself that option and I think that takes away some of the negative self-talk and it just puts the decision in your hands a little more.
1: Yeah. And once you kind of have that empowerment, oh my goodness, you can have all the weight loss products put in your face or, you know, the, you know, Instagram stories about like these perfect lives and it won't affect you in the same way because you are truly in your body. You truly trust your own self and you feel like you're able to just honor who you are and what your body needs you're treating your body like a like a amazing I don't know Aston Martin there's a that's my dream car (laughs) you know you you are saying like wow this is my incredible incredibly complex but perfectly running elegant machine that I'm driving no one else is driving
0: it for me hmm I absolutely love that. I think that empowerment, especially as women where we've been told our whole lives how to feel about our bodies and what we should look like. And even to this day, whether whether it's tabloids, whether it's social media, we're we're seeing it all the time. And so to really understand that that we can take charge and that we are the drivers, I think that's so empowering. That's so important. And that'll help us, you know, along our journeys.
1: Yeah. And I, I I mentioned the word perfect there. And it kind of made me wince. Because that's mm. something that I also think is really important is that there is no such thing as perfect. But sitting in the I am enough, and I am in a space of being perfectly imperfect, like I am mm. good enough as I am in my car, <laughs> in my body. <laughs> I think that's, that's really what it's all about. And how much time and energy and money are we going to save when we're in that place?
0: Oh, yeah. I cannot tell you how many fad diets I tried over the years and how much time you spend. In the, we all know like how much time we spend looking in the mirrors and stressing out in our closets and saying the things to ourselves that imagine if we used that brain power for literally anything else and how amazing that would be. So I think these rebellious acts and everything that you've talked about, I think those are such great steps toward moving toward that. Thank you.
1: I mean, I am just, it's a pleasure to be able to share them and to be able to help others with them.
0: Definitely. Now we're definitely going to talk about where listeners can find your book and connect with you. But before we do that, I'd like to get into just a few of our rapid fire questions so the listeners can get to know you a little more.
1: Mm -hmm. Let's do it.
0: All right. (laughs) What is, (laughs) what is your top wellness tip? Oh, there
1: are so many, but I feel like my top wellness tip is value your value. That really sticks with me. Yeah. Because as everything that we spoke about, once you know your self-worth, know that your body is good enough as it is, then everything else just kind of falls into place. Absolutely. Now, where is your favorite travel destination? (laughs) <laughs> uh I am so biased so um now that I live in California my favorite travel destination is back home to England we haven't been able to go in I think it's almost two and a half years since I've been so really looking forward to being able to go there just because of the people and the food <laughs> not necessarily the weather but definitely my favorite place to go visit.
0: That's lovely. And I will say when I went to, when I was in London, the first day I was there, the weather was beautiful. Um, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I actually, (laughs) it was, it was nicer. It was nicer than I was, it was July, um, the year that I went and it was way nicer than it was in Florida. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. I I think it was raining here. Yes. Yeah. I get good luck on these trips because Seattle too, everybody told me it would rain the whole time beautiful the whole time. We did get a little rain in England the next couple of days, but the first day, absolutely beautiful weather. Oh my
1: goodness. Uh, You definitely got
0: a good, good travel
1: omen for sure.
0: Yes. Now, if you were an animal, what animal would you be and why?
1: Oh, I love this question. So I'm a little bit woo. Well, I'm very woo. And me too. I have, it's, it's a wonderful. I, I've been listening to past episodes and I'm like, yeah, she's woo too. This is brilliant. <laughs> so my spirit animal is a tiger. Um, and this tiger um, appeared to me in one of my dreams. It was a purple tiger. <laughs> I woke up and I said to my husband, I was like, I know my spirit animal. It was a purple tiger. And he was like, eh? and I was trying to explain it all to him he was just like okay cool nice (laughs) I'm I'm really happy for you but yes a tiger it it makes sense I have cats and I've always loved all all types of cats and it was one of those sort of intuitive (laughs) intuitive moments Mm -hmm. where I woke up and I was just like that was my spirit animal the purple tiger
0: (laughs) so yeah that is so cool. You know, it's funny. I still have not figured out my answer to that question. And so I'm, maybe it will come to me in a dream. But how cool. And it's purple too.
1: I know. I was like, <laughs> wow, this is,
0: this is a pretty
1: tiger. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. Oh, I love that. Now, if you could master a completely new skill, what would that be? Oh, so
1: my word of the year, I always pick a word of the year. This year, it's Ease. And that is because I am working on becoming patient. So generally, Mm. (laughs) a story that I have had since I was growing up was that I always do things the long way around, the difficult way. I have no patience, blah, blah, blah. So I guess my answer to that question would be if I could have any skill and master
0: it, it would be the the skill of being patient. (laughs) and making things easy that is so good I might have to borrow that word next year
1: Yes. what's your word of the year this year
0: so the story around it was that my word last year was supposed to be joy and then it ended up being a really difficult year and so this year because I felt like everything was kind of being thrown at me and I wasn't really sure I decided to go with YOLO I love that that's awesome I was like whatever happens we're gonna we're gonna take it in stride we're gonna find some good in it and we're gonna have a little more fun with it so oh that's brilliant yeah we were a friend and I were laughing about it one day and she kind of said it and I'm like actually that fits for now and um but ease I think I'm someone that I love to go the difficult route and <laughs> <laughs> it's not always the it's not always the best yes
1: yes well, I feel free to to borrow and I would love to also borrow YOLO. That would be amazing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's such a cool energy. Yeah, just to kind of, I take everything so seriously sometimes. And I'm like, let's just, let's just enjoy the year for what it is. We're in a pandemic. Things are not, things are just not, pre- and they're never predictable, but especially now. And so you only live once. And- Let go. Yeah. (laughs) But I'm I'm probably going to steal ease for next year. (laughs) And then my final question from the rapid fires, what's next for you on your bucket list? So
1: this kind of ties together some of the other answers. So now that we can go back to England, because I was, the reason why we couldn't travel was partly because of the pandemic, but also because I was applying for my green card. So you're not allowed to travel outside of the US during that process. But I, I got my green card approved last week. So that's huge.
0: Congratulations. Thank
1: you very much. So now I am planning to go back to England with my husband. And I said to him, what I would really love to do is to go to Glastonbury to indulge my woo. (laughs) Because um, that has been something that I have wanted to do through a very long time. So whilst I'm over there and we're hanging out with my family and my friends and everything like that. I think we're going to go to Glastonbury and go crystal shopping and go visit all the kind of sacred sites and do do all of the spiritual side of the well-being too cuz I feel like we, on our chat, and we have really focused on kind of the mindset and the physical well-being aspects of well-being, but I think there is definitely a spiritual side also, and that is something that I'm definitely growing into more and more, and that's been a process of self-acceptance as well, and I think that's the next stage of, of my life and on my bucket list, so why not? Let's go to Glastonbury and be woo.
0: I love that. That sounds like so much fun. Yeah. You want to come? Yes, please. (laughs) I'll book my ticket. Bring the sunshine. Absolutely. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I I love the woo. I think that it's something that, you know, it's fun to embrace it, to Get to know that side of ourselves a little bit more to have fun with it. We have the psychic capital not far from where I live, and so occasionally I'll go. But the places that are calling to me now are very much the woo and the energy vortexes and all of that. And I just, I, I think, I think those are so incredible to explore.
1: Yeah, and again, it's kind of almost a coming back to ourselves, which is what we've been talking about. You know, is getting that unconditional love for ourselves is is coming back to ourselves and I think what you're speaking of is very much a kind of coming back to ourselves as well. We are spiritual Mm -hmm. beings and I think it's really cool that you you share my passion for indulging in that too.
0: Absolutely. Well, that's incredible. I could honestly talk to you for another hour plus I know. Um, yeah. <laughs> let's do this again absolutely and before before i do let you go um let our listeners know where can they find your book and how can they connect with you and learn more yeah so
1: my book reclaim the rebel is available on amazon and barnes and noble um as well as a range of other retailers the best place to kind of go is actually my website um, nutritionbylizzy.com forward slash book And you'll be able to go to the retailer that you want to purchase from and and go from there. And then if you want to continue the conversation further, ask me any questions. I love questions. As you can tell, I can talk a lot. Um, Then (laughs) please feel free to contact me either via my website, as I mentioned, or um, I'm
0: also on Instagram again at Nutrition by Lizzie. And Lizzie is with a Y. Wonderful. I'll make sure to link all of that in the show notes so that listeners can find you and connect and send all of their amazing questions because we did have a lot of questions come in from the listeners and many of them were my own questions as well. So yes, definitely reach out to Lizzie if any of you have any questions and definitely check out her book. It's amazing. And I just want to say again, thank you so much for coming on and for sharing with us today.
1: Absolutely. No, it's been an honor. Thank you so much for for having me and for your listeners to, uh, to spending their time with us.
0: Wasn't she just awesome? I loved chatting with Lizzie and we honestly could have recorded for another hour pretty easily. Her book, Reclaim the Rebel, is truly a fantastic read, so I highly recommend checking it out and trying out some of the exercises from the book. I've been doing a lot more journaling and reflection lately, so I have found her book to be incredibly helpful. I also really loved our conversation about the five love languages. We think about these love languages a lot in terms of our romantic partners, but we often forget that the most important relationship we have is with ourselves. So I love the idea of applying our love languages to our self-care. Now, I'm an acts of service girl, so the quickest way to my heart is to find a way to make my life easier. Men who are listening, please take note or to take something off of my to-do list and so thanks to this interview I decided to book a deep cleaning service for my apartment. I live on my own so I do all of the normal adulting life things by myself and sometimes it can be really overwhelming to not have anyone around to pick up the slack when I'm just truly not feeling it so next week as a gift I'm giving to myself someone is going to be coming to my apartment to clean so that I can feel that sense of ease and finally give myself a break for once. Now it might not be affordable to do stuff like this all of the time but sometimes it's worth paying for the convenience when you can and right now this is such a treat and just exactly what I need now if you enjoyed this conversation you're gonna love Lizzie's book it details all 12 of the rebellious acts because we didn't get into all of them today and it provides journal prompts and so much more so tap the link in the show notes to order your copy I've also linked Lizzie's other information so that you can connect with her and learn more. Once again, I want to thank you for tuning in and for sharing this part of your day with me. If you have a topic you'd like us to explore in a future episode or a guest in mind, or if you yourself would like to be a guest, please don't hesitate to reach out to me on Instagram at wellness and wanderlust blog, or shoot me an email at Valerie, V-A-L-E-R-I-E at wellnessandwanderlust.net. I'm also toying around with the idea of adding a segment to the podcast and Ask Me Anything where I'll answer a different listener question each week, um, focused on wellness, travel, Orlando, life, reality TV, you name it. So if you're interested in that, if you'd like me to pursue that a little bit more for the show You can reach out to me also on Instagram or by email with your question for a chance to be featured, and I can keep all of that anonymous as well. Now, one of the best ways that you can lend your support to the show, I say this every single week, but it is so true, is to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever app you're tuning in from. It helps other people find the show better and it only takes a few minutes out of your day. It makes a huge difference for podcasters everywhere. So if you have a show that you listen to from week to week that you really enjoy, help a podcaster out and leave them a review. I would truly love to hear your thoughts. So I can't wait to see you next time and have a great rest of your week.